Good evening, everybody. Hope I got your attention. Uh, it's a candle lighting service tonight, so when we start lighting, lighting the candles through the service, the candles that are lit will stay in an upright position. The candles that are being lit will be in a horizontal position to keep the wax from dripping on the floor. Um, hope you all understand that. Um, I want to thank you all for being here tonight, and uh, let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your redeeming grace. We thank you for what you have so graciously done in our lives. Lord, you have called us to carry the light to the world. Just as Jesus said, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Lord, we are those few that send the light to the world. So Lord, we ask that you'd be in our lives. In the Bible it says Jesus sent out the twelve, and you're going to send us out. Lord, we love you so much. You said your burden is, is, uh, your burden is light. Lord, we ask that, you know, as we go out, that we have that burden for the lost. So, Lord, we ask this in your name that you be with us and give us that grace. And we will give you all the glory for the ones that are lost. We ask this in your precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. What if? What if you had a friend who died without knowing Jesus as their personal savior? What if he or she went to hell? What if one day you received a letter in the mail from beyond? A letter from hell. A letter from your friend in the flames of eternal torment. The following is a dramatic presentation. It was written by a fictitious high school student named Josh to a friend named Zach. Although Zach had every opportunity to tell Josh about Jesus, he didn't. They were best friends. They played soccer together, they went to classes together, they partied together, they shared their lives with each other. But there was one thing Zach held back from Josh. His personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The rest of the story is simple and sad. A few too many beers. A tragic drive home crash, a death, a funeral, a letter. Here is that letter in its entirety. A letter from hell. Dear Zach, I died today. It's a lot different than I expected. You see, I always thought dying would bring me into a world that's foggy and hazy. But this place is crystal clear. It's even more real than my life on Earth. I can think. I can talk. I can even feel. Right after the wreck, I could feel my spirit leaving my body. It was the weirdest thing, Zach. I thought I heard you screaming out to me, man. 
I've been just imagining things. At first, I was just standing in line, getting registered, I guess. They asked me for my name and began to look in this thing they called the Book of Life. I guess they couldn't find it, though, because this huge angel standing next to me grabbed me by the arm and started dragging me away. I was terrified. I had no idea what was going on. I asked the angel where he was taking me, but he didn't answer. So I asked him again. Finally, he told me that only those whose names were written in the book of life could enter into heaven. And the rest would be condemned to hell forever. And I was scared. The angel threw me into some kind of holding cell where I've been sitting and thinking for a long, long time. Do you want to know what I've been thinking about? I've been thinking about you. Zach, you're a Christian. You told me so yourself. I mean, we talked about it three different times today. Kelly brought it up, and you laughed it off. Coach Adams brought it up, and you changed the subject. I mean, it came up right before the wreck. Well, the question I can't get out of my mind is this, Zach. Why haven't you ever told me about how to become a Christian? I mean, you say you're my friend. But if you really were, you would have told me about this Jesus and told me how to escape this terrible place that I'm headed for. I can feel my heart pounding in my chest. The angels who have been chosen to cast me into hell are coming down the hallway. I can hear their footsteps. I've heard of this hell, Zach. They call it the lake of fire. I can't stand it, Zach. I'm terrified. No, the angels are at the door. Oh, no. No! They're coming in, and they're pointing at me. They're grabbing me and carrying me out of the room. I can already smell the burning sulfur and brimstone. I can see the edge of the cliff where hell burns. This is it. I am without hope. We're coming closer, closer, closer. My heart is bursting with fear. They're holding me over the flames. I'm damned forever. This is it. They have thrown me in. Fire! Pain! Hell! Why, Zach? Why didn't you ever tell me about Jesus? Signed. Your friend. Josh. P.S. souls to save. I have my own agenda. There's school to do, sports to play, important stuff to attend to. Don't bother me with my friend at work. He's got his own religion. I don't have time to change his mind. He'll make his own decision. 
Don't bother me with that little girl, the girl playing in the street. She's much too young to understand that the Savior she can meet. Don't bother me with the sounds I hear, the sounds of people shrieking. Although I wonder who they are, who are these victims screaming? Don't bother me with who they are, I really don't want the blame. Because it's my friend at work and that little girl who from hell scream out my name. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we will not lose heart, but we will have renounced the things of, that are hidden because of shame. We will not walk in craftiness, adulterating the word of God by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, the light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This evening, we are going to ponder our boldness in Christ, that we may be empowered by Holy Spirit, that we may respond to his empowerment in order to emerge into Christ's likeness, in order to burst forth in boldness of Christ. I love Paul's writing style. You see, when Paul writes, he begins with a biblical foundation down here. And then he'll add a, a biblical truth over here. And another biblical truth over here. And sometimes you can even step back and see this theological tree that he's created. A great example of this can be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. It reads this. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. Now it's important to note that there are four segments found here in this verse 1. The first being the word therefore. And when Paul uses the word therefore, what he's trying to tell us is what he's about to say is going to build on something that he's already said. Therefore, that's the word. We need to go back down and find that foundational truth that he wants us to take away. That this foundational truth is actually found in the second segment of the verse. 
It reads this. Therefore, since we have this ministry. Well, what is he talking about? What ministry? So what we do is we go down through the letter to try and figure out what he's talking about when he says this ministry. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also makes us adequate servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Whenever I hear Paul talking about the new covenant, I find myself contrasting it with the Old Testament. Do you remember David? Do you remember Saul? The scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit would come down upon them. It would cover them like a blanket. It was like they were filled with the presence of God. That was the past and the prior. Now Paul brings us back to the present. He points to the day of Pentecost and says, Now we have a new covenant, the covenant of the Holy Spirit. Now God just doesn't come upon us. He dwells in us and fills us with his presence. That is this foundation that Paul is talking about. But that's not the end of the verse. It reads, therefore, since we have this ministry, which is the new covenant of the Holy Spirit, as we received mercy... Well, once again, we can go back through his letter to try and figure out what he's talking about when he says, received mercy. Flip back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Well, what is Paul talking about when he uses this phrase, mercies? The definition of mercy is to feel compassion or pity. So in God's case, this mercy has taken the form of salvation for mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. Now flip back to chapter 4 and look at the verb that describes mercy. The verb is in the past tense. So what this means, what Paul is telling us, is that God, in his awesome wonder, saw humanity throughout time and knew that we would not be able to fulfill the law. And at that very moment, he showed us mercy by sending his son Jesus to die for us. So when Paul tells us that we've received mercy, he's telling us that since we've accepted Christ into our hearts, we have this eternal life. But that's not the end of the verse. Therefore, since we have this ministry, which is the new covenant of the Holy Spirit, as we received mercy, which is salvation through Jesus Christ, we do not lose heart. So once again, we go back through Paul's letter to try and figure out what he's saying when he, do not lose heart.
We find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, having such a great hope, great hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put the veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look at intently at the end of what was fading away. You see, the old covenant is very different from the new covenant. And since we have the new covenant and the Holy Spirit, Paul is telling us that we can be influential and significant in the process for reaching the lost. We do not have to be like Moses and wait until we've had this interaction with God to be fruitful. If God dwells in us, there's no need for us to be timid or feel inadequate at all. Because if God is with us, who can stand against us? So what is our part in this process anyway? I remember the very first person that I brought to Christ, as probably many of you do. I was 17 at a fall retreat. That night, the evangelist penetrated the hearts and the minds of the congregation. And as I was walking back to my room, I heard this faint noise coming from behind a building. When I went to investigate the noise, I found that there was this young lady that was there. And she was trying to absorb all the things that she had been hearing about that day. I don't remember what I said. All I remember is that by the end of that conversation, she had accepted Christ into her life. Amen. I was so happy. I was so excited that I couldn't even sleep that night. It was like I was filled with the Spirit of God. Have you been there? But how was her life really changed? Did I say something so profound that it triggered a spiritual response? Or maybe at that very moment, the Holy Spirit came down and inspired me to directly meet the need of that young lady. The answer is found in verse 2. So let's go back to chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, which is the new covenant of the Holy Spirit, as we received mercy, which is salvation through Christ, we do not lose heart, which is the boldness found in Christ. Then we get to verse 2. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. Now these are the things that Paul is telling us not to do. And then he brings us back and gives us this formula of how we are to present the gospel. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Well, what does, God, what does Paul mean by the manifestation of truth? Well, manifestation means an outward or perceptible indication. So what this means is, is manifestation is something you can see or feel within someone. 
Maybe you can't put your finger on it, but you know it's there. And what does Paul want us to manifest? The truth. And the truth is defined as the true notions of God which are open to human reason without his supernatural intervention. This means that we are to be walking billboards for Christ. When you see someone walking down the street, you should be able to say, I don't know what it is, but that guy's got something that I need. Our only task in witnessing is to be as Christ-like as possible in every word and in every deed. Let's continue to read verse 2. But by the manifestation of truth, which is the outward perception of God in our lives, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I believe that Paul here is referring to provenient grace. And provenient grace is the ability of the Holy Spirit to steer the hearts and minds of non-believers towards Christ. So when we become billboards for Christ, the Holy Spirit in you starts to communicate with the Holy Spirit in them, and he says, hey, you got something I need. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Paul's message for us today is this. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means we've already received salvation. And if those things are true, we are boldly able to present the message of Christ because Christ is in us and people can see that. Let me say that again. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means we already have salvation. And if those things are true, we can boldly present the message of Christ because Christ is in us and people can see that. We cannot save anyone. Not one. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But God uses us as a trigger to the spiritual response. God uses us to further his kingdom. He doesn't need to do that. He can do it all by himself. I think God does this so that we can get this small glimpse of what heaven's like. You see, because when we are working with God to save somebody, the Holy Spirit comes down. It's just this heavenly feeling. And there's this joy, there's this peace, there's this humility. You feel like crying and, and laughing at the same time. And you've got this warmth, this tingly feeling inside. The Holy Spirit. We cannot save one. Remember that. But we get to feel the presence of God in our lives when we work to do His will. Amen. 
I want you this week to test the scripture. When you're at home, when you're at work, when you're in the waiting room, test the scripture. And you will find how easy it is to bring someone to Christ because it's not coming through you. It is sourced by God. The altars are going to be available for the rest of the service as we continue to sing and light our candles. Would you please stand? For it is not we who preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants in Jesus' name. For it's God who said, light will shine out of darkness, and is the one who shines in our hearts that we may give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. As we look out onto our city, our community, and as we contemplate the message of this service, that our lights always shine for all those around us wherever we may be knowing that it is God who empowers us, enables us to emerge as his messengers. Let us go forth and carry that light, the glory of God, to those in need, wherever we are, that we might emerge Christ-like for all to see that they have no mistake. There's no mistaking. Father, thank you so much for your enabling, your empowering Holy Spirit that we might emerge as your messengers to this world. May your light shine in us and through us as we go forth for those, to those that are in our community, those that are in our homes, those that we may meet, in school, at work, in the office, in the grocery store, walking in the street, playing in the park, that we might give your glory and your message of salvation to those in need. Praise be to you, God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.